All right, soccer freaks. This is ATL on Fire, the podcast where we're going to be talking all things Atlanta United Football Club. So sit back, buckle up, and enjoy. We are back. It is Atlanta on fire or ATL on fire here. And we are back in 2020, believe it or not. And I'm joined by my co-host, Dave Katz. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you uh, for bringing wine as always. What uh, what do we have here? This is a Cabernet Sauvignon from uh, Napa Valley at Precision. Very tasty. You may want to swing the mic a little bit. We've got a new setup here this year. And uh, I don't know how the audio is going to perform, but... Yeah, gonna, this is my first time at the rodeo, so... And yeah, I think we, <laughs> we, we discussed maybe changing the format a little bit this year. We're not going to have a guest on the show this evening. Um, you know, last year, it was certainly difficult navigating our own schedules, but to add in a third party was always difficult. So I think maybe having a, a duo format will help, you know, create more consistency of these things. Well, in year six of the podcast, in the fourth year of Atlanta United, um, that's how we roll math here on the ATL on fire. No, um, it's almost like you have a job and a family and stuff. So I have a solution. All you have to do is lose your job, and then we can have lots of podcasts. Well, I think I'm going to try to balance some things, you know. But yeah, having kids and a job is real, but you know. Doing a, doing a podcast is definitely real fun, so definitely want to try to keep going into 2020. Um, if you're just tuning in for the first time, uh, our motto is, we know a little bit about Atlanta United. Uh, we know a good bit about Atlanta United. We know some things about the MLS, but we know a lot about soccer. So hopefully New year, we, new, new year. motto. No Wait. doubt. <laughs> just mix it all up. Whatever. We're moving on. Okay. But yeah, in terms of the format, you know, I think... Um, you know, more consistency with, you know, you and I try to get on the schedule and, and here, and then I may do some smaller kind of little updates. I'm thinking solo that I'll add on there. Um, or if we go into a moment where jobs get in the way, where you're traveling, um, I might, solo. might fill the void by myself going solo. Now you're going crazy. I mean, you know, two might be better than three, but solo? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll pull Leah in to help me out. I don't okay. know. That's fair. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so uh, 2020, holy cow. Um, we finished last year by just kind of falling off the radar. Um, and the season was a pretty good one in, in, you know, in, in retrospect, but just kind of curious of your opinion on that. You know, when I look back at it, um, you know, we did have two trophies, the U.S. Open Cup, Campionas Cup, which isn't really a trophy other than one game. But the fact that we were literally 20, 30 minutes away from – and another MLS final that, uh, you know, came down to some pretty phenomenal goals by Toronto and um, poor defending by Atlanta United. You know, we could have easily uh, gone through to another final. And, you know, I think we we're on the, the doorstep there. I have to say, you know, um, I've heard a lot of the sort of same sentiment. And I have to disagree a little bit in that. So at the beginning of the playoffs, I, I was thinking to myself, you know, and people ask me, okay, you know, how are we going to do in the playoffs? And I said, we have no chance in the playoffs because New York City FC is the number one seed on our side. On the other side, LAFC is the number one seed. We can't beat either of those teams, particularly on the road, right? I said, the only chance is to have a miracle and have both of those teams lose, right? And holy cow! It's like the Red Seas parted. LAFC loses. New York City yeah. FC loses, right? And, you know, you got to take advantage of that opportunity. When it's Toronto and Seattle left in the draw and we would have had a home game, Yeah. I have to say, you know, I'm not going to give DeBoer a pass on that one. Like, 
Like, it, I would have been perfectly happy if we had bowed out to New York City yeah. FC or LAFC. We just couldn't beat those teams. We were not that good. Yeah. No, I mean, of course, in, in any championship, you, you need a little luck. And that certainly was the parting of the season in terms of getting a direct path to the final. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, they played pretty well trying to get there, even against Toronto up until that last, you know... 30 minutes of the game. I mean, I felt they like... They dominated the game. Yeah. You were a little unlucky. You know, I have to I mean, say Joseph... That. Frankly, Joseph, as our best player, botched it. Yeah, the penalty He botched it. I mean, lo- my favorite just... player, but he botched it. Yeah. The, that, that's a turning moment chances. in the team, right? So you can you can point at Frank DeBoer all you want, but that's when the player on the field has a moment to close it out. That's your job. Yeah, but I feel like if we had been stronger all season, like the... Def- you know, the goals were fantastic, but that we gave up. Um, they were miracle kind of shots. But, you know, with how dominant we were, right, we were still unable to keep them from getting up the field to get chances. And I think that sort of summed up the season, that we were just not quite good enough. Well, I, you know, as one of the stats that came out that I didn't think about, and this has been posted by a couple of people, that... Um, I like echoing because it really does speak volumes. 34 games last year, only seven did we have our three designated players, PT, Joseph Martinez, and Barco on the field together. Do you know what our record was? I think it was 6-0-1. That's right. Undefeated, six wins, one tie. Yeah. That says, I mean, that's, yeah, that's a pretty powerful stat. That, that that's papering over the cracks, right? When you have those players who are scoring goals. Now, that's, of course, part of the team. But I think that part, when all three players were there, were right. And you have to say that it's not DeBoer's fault that those guys didn't play together. So, you know, fair enough. But the fact that we couldn't get the, the other part right, you know, in terms of, um, you know, having be able to lock it down in the midfield in the back. And in particular, you know, over and over and over, the space in front of the back four or the back five that we played, it just wasn't covered. Whatever he was trying in the midfield with Nogby and Remedy and all the switching and, you know, Lorenowitz, it just wasn't working. Yeah, I mean, I I do feel when we finally hit our stride towards like two-thirds of the way in the season, we actually had a really good run there where I think, it was like against New York FC, who was in good form at that that point. We beat um, Club America in the Campeones Cup, and then we went out out to Seattle or, Seattle or Portland and had a really good win on the road. Mm-hmm. That was when everybody was kind of healthy, which is an interesting yep. period. It certainly helps to be healthy. Yeah, sure. and yeah, and again, those those players are on the field, yeah. and I I just think that um, you know. If this season we can get lucky with some health of those three, because it always seems like somebody gets dinged up, mm-hmm. um, that one of those players is going to be out, and it's always a detriment if two of those players are out, then then I think we're up against it. But does that say the kind of coach that DeBoer is, which is a good coach, and when we have the full team, which is one of the best teams, he can play up to our potential, but maybe he can't coach us to a better place? Well, no, I, I think you, you can't underestimate how awesome Miguel Almiron was. Thus be frank. And, you know, the the moments when Atlanta was really shining with energy was when Barco was healthy and he played that motor that Miguel Amaron was playing last year. That's fair. And you definitely saw it in, in moments. And, you know, again, I'm really hopeful, you know, as, if you're watching the preseason games, Barco looks like he's got that motor again and it's pretty exciting. When Barco has been healthy, I mean, he's looked dynamic. And yeah. maybe the first year he looked a little, like, not yet comfortable in the, the, that short stint. But, you know, last year when he was healthy, he looked like the real deal. Yeah. And, you know, I'll keep the jury out again on PT. Um, but, you know, I think he will be that luxury player if Martinez and Barco are on the field at the same time. That's when they start linking up. Um, that's when you can afford to have his bad pass, you know, and, and, you know, made sometimes that people have to, you know, clamor and run back and, and cover for as long as he's making it up on the other side of the equation. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But, but do you worry about our, the center midfield and really being able, I mean, you know, we, we can talk about the preseason, but the, the, the games I've seen in the preseason, you know, we, we haven't been able to really free those guys up to get, you know, dynamic. We've been a lot of times stuck trying to get from our back to to those guys 
Yeah, and you know, I think obviously the way that the signings work coming, and I'm not going to jump ahead with the CBA and and just the way that that you know MLS in particularly Atlanta United had to sign and let players go. Um, we haven't really seen the full squad the way that. Um, we've signed some of the new additions that have come on. Wait, you're not going to jump ahead? Does this mean we're going to actually stick to a format? That's not like us. No, let's jump ahead. So, <laughs> have you been keeping up with a lot of the, the off-season moves and, you know, a lot of the, the news of... Of course. Yeah, it's... A, it's You know, for me, actually, I, I love it. I, you know, I, it, watching a lot of the overreaction on social media and, and seeing how people are just torn apart of, about players moving, I think... I get it. Like, I don't want to be coarse or, you know, uh, unsympathetic to the fact that we're losing some players. But that's something, particularly in a league like the MLS, where Atlanta United is going to be on the edge of trying to stay stay sharp in terms of the moves they make. And I think they're going to have to make some tough decisions like we saw this last preseason and even this the season before to keep, you know, the right talent on the field, you know, and most teams do go through kind of a three-year cycle. So the fact that we made some major moves to me is not a shock and, and probably a wise one. That's fair. I mean, uh, I think that until MLS becomes not a selling league, then we have to continue to be aggressive. I mean, as long as our mode is going to be getting good players and selling them on that, that, if you're not busy being aggressive and building, you're you're busy dying, you know. Yeah. And so I, I agree with that. The the only question I have is whether or not they could do it with, you know, a bit of continuity in the backbone. Yeah. You know, if you can build around a structure, you know, and I don't know whether that structure is, you know, really our structure last year was just not being, yeah. you know, but uh, it wasn't really a team structure. It was just a nod be structure. Well, I think the intent, again, I think the intent of this structure was supposed to be Barco. Mm. And I think this year it will be Barco. That's um, an interesting way to see things as, a, as Barco as the structure, because you think of structure as, you know, either defender in the midfielder or box to box, that kind of thing. And of course, and Barco's not that kind of player. But I see that as an attacking structure well, in a weird way. I, like I, I guess I see Bar- the only reason I see Barco is he's our spark. So mm-hmm. as a team player, I think the team is going to galvanize around the guy that's bringing the energy. And so he's going to shape the way the team plays, the way he is running and and beating that person through the midfield. That Yeah, Nagby was good at more of a defensively taking control of it, slowing it down, spinning it, and playing a really great pass out of space where Barco I think is going to have to take it and run with it in a way that I, you, you almost hope Nagby would that you didn't see as much I don't know but I have you know Barco in some respects almost plays a little bit too much defense right you know Al Marone had that right quality of of you know he would track back and be a pain in the mm-hmm. ass but um, you know he he also at times would not take a play off, but defensively he. Well, would he knew how to lag. Gap. He knew how to lag because he knew yes. it was going to come back out yes. to him. Yes, and Barco is always fighting to do the extra thing, and you worry that can he be the bridge from defense to offense if he's actually too much involved in the defense. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's a good chance to just talk about who who left the the club um, over the off season and okay. who, who's who joined. Left? So Nagby left, which was obviously painful. I mean, he's, you know. Has there ever been a guy in U.S. history who's been better on the ball than Nagby? Um, that's a good question. I, I can't think of one that has the same, you know, technical skill set that he has. His first touch. His first touch is so soft, and then the way he's able to Go. just shield and, and, and you know, just release the pressure that is at any given point in the field. I think it's unmatched from what I've seen. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, that, you know, as, as tough as it was to see him leave, I think that's what he wanted. I think we delayed it a year because it felt like that's what he wanted last year or he's at least using it as a negotiation. Okay, but so the question is, if you're Nogby, why did he want that? I have no clue. What's the, I mean, I know it's his old coach from yeah. college and from Portland, so he's very used to and comfortable with that guy. I don't but get what it. what do you want going to Columbus, right? Where is where is your career going in Columbus? Well, I, part of it, 
part of that to me is explanation why Nagby could have been world class and he's not. There's something about his nature that he may be a great guy, family guy, I don't know. But I think whatever that that trait is has held him back from being a U.S. men's national team phenomenon and somebody who would stay with Atlanta United and make his career all about trophies. But, that's a, know, that's he, my he harsh was, point of view on it. He refused a few call-ups while he was at Atlanta United. Although, can you blame him with Burhalter no. as the national team coach? Disaster oh, there. Oh, goodness. We and, could have had Tata, and instead we have Burhalter. Yeah. I mean, Burhalter never even won in the MLS, much less yeah. anything. Boy, I you know... That that show is still interesting to watch, but mm-hmm. we're gonna stay in Atlanta United here. So, <laughs> okay, my favorite player, actually, you know, and this is the thing: like LGP is such a part of our history and winning, and he was an awesome locker room guy. I can tell from just interviews and his persona. So, really wishing him the best uh, in his new Mexican club. Where is it, Tijuana? Tijuana, yeah. Um, so, um, wishing him the best, but I also <laughs> Who think can it, blame the guy. In- Tijuana. I mean, it, you know, it's... Can you imagine LGP in Tijuana? Right? <laughs> <laughs> the trouble he's going to get into? No doubt. <laughs> okay. But, you know, I think it was clear that he, um, you know, I think he enjoyed kind of his influence in the locker room and DeBoer clearly wants his own influence in the locker room. And I think um, they obviously had some level of difference in opinion on the way the team should play. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there was any backing down from either side and there's only one player that's going to lose that and it's LGP. And so I think, you know, and I like that, you know, my, uh, for years I've followed Manchester United and over and over Alex Ferguson during his reign in the premier league, just got rid of legendary players, you know, Roy Keane, bye Beckham, bye, you know, um, all of these guys. And you're like, Yap Stam when he was like, you know, ruling everything out of the back. You question me, see ya. Right? Yeah. And there is actually an element to it's it's his team. And yeah. so, you know, credit to that, I think. Yeah. It, but that only works if it works, right? <laughs> you know, if the team plays well, then, you know, you got full control. Yeah. And you avoid, you know, we're just thinking about it, um, you know, the, the legendary third year syndrome where the coach comes in. He gets a boost. The second year, he implements the system. By the third year, the players are tired of him, and it loses the team. The way you avoid that is you are the boss always, right? And so you get the feeling that if DeBoer gets over the hump and he succeeds here, he could succeed for a long time because he is the kind of guy he does not take nothing from nobody. Yeah, and yeah, what was the what was the um. The, the rift between he and the goalkeeper coach last year. The guy who's used the yeah. U.S. men's national team. Yeah, see ya. He was like, you're not allowed on the, the, the sideline, right? right? He didn't play around. No. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, he doesn't mess around. And, and that's great. You know, if he can succeed as a coach, then he will have full control. Yeah. Um, one of the more heartbreaking uh, off-season things was obviously Gressel is not on the team. And I, I would say out of all the, the players I will sorely miss, it, it is Gressel. Um, but He's the one that was the biggest mystery. It's not to me after I've been really into okay. evaluating it. Do tell. I do tell. All right. So <laughs> here's a guy who is worth maybe $700,000 a year. Um Atlanta United, in a salary cap league, does not have to pay him because he was under contract for another year. Um, They wanted to do the guy correct, right? Um, And I think they're trying to balance what they can pay him and what his value is as as a trading piece. Gressel is 26 years old. He's a college player that is playing above his skis. In the grand scheme of things, if I'm playing... Money ball, whatever the thing is, if you're going to give me a million dollars in TAM, I know I can get more for that than I can from Gressel if I'm just being unemotional, Wait, are you unemotional that about you it. Understand the salary cap? I do understand. Okay, so we need to have an instant Dobbs's corner, right? You know, usually we have Cat's corner, but we need a Dobbs's corner. Can you explain, please explain to the dear podcast listener? How in the world the salary cap works? I cannot do that in this short 
period of time that okay. we have in this one. But we should dedicate a podcast to that. Okay. Um, now that there's only two of us, we can have both ways, Cats' Corner and Dobbins' yeah, Corner. Yeah, and the point is, is like, I mean, every dollar matters in the MLS for every team. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I have no idea. Yeah, no, and I'm, I'm telling you, so every dollar really matters in the MLS. And, you know, you have to look at all the factors from like a money ball perspective. Gressel's age, he's 26. If you can get a t- two 22-year-old players for the million dollars, which is exactly what we did or are doing with uh, the Brazilian and the Uruguayan, then that makes a lot of sense to me. Oh, okay, so because you know, you know, those two players are way better, in my opinion. They're they have way more potential. Sure, but uh, why not sell Gressel on to Europe? Is like let's go if he's that I don't, good. I, because he's, I don't think he is. I mean, I love no. no I love the guy. I, I do. I think he plays well in our system. Um, he, His look, crossing it, of the ball. Yeah, but you know what? Like in hindsight, like when yeah, he, it's fantastic. I mean, a lot of people can bend a ball in when they have all day, and I'm just I know I'm being kind of mean on the guy, but like. He had a lot of space where it was pushed into him, and he did the right thing, which is cross the ball early to one of the most prolific strikers in the MLS, and he did a lot of job finishing it. Now, on the other side of the equation, yeah, David Beckham made a whole career doing that. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's really smart good. when you are when you um, got to have that open Madrid. space and learn that there's a striker that trusts you and has timing with you. You can play that ball early, and the odds start playing out in your favor. I think. You can make a career of that, to your point, like Beckham. But like Beckham and, and Gressel, they, I mean, I'm not trying to compare those two, obviously. but They have similar kind of game, actually. They have similar game, but I, and Gressel, obviously, if you look at some other finishes, right? Like, he's doing more than just crossing the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not the best defender in the world, in my right. opinion. If you even look at the MLS Cup, um, not the, the Toronto... Uh, the goal they go- scored. Yeah, I mean, it's a perfect example of what... Brooks Lennon will bring that maybe Gressel won't. Yeah, because because he says De Leon has the ball. This is in the the Toronto and the Eastern Conference Championship game. De Leon has the ball and Gressel's on him and he forces him back, but then he just sags. Yeah, and he turns and he allows him to turn and then he hits the yeah. I mean, the bomb. it was it's double factor. Right? It was like a little bit soft defending and just a cracker. I mean, and the other part of that play was what we've been talking about actually all year and really all the two years, right? You know, is that um, LGP is slow on that play to come help as the second defender. And LGP, as we talked about all year, was, you know, real good at marking his guy. Same thing with Miles. Um, yeah. You know, real good on their player, but a little bit slow to help. Yeah, and um, you know the the other thing I've seen from preseason is Brooks Lennon sure as hell can't cross the ball as well as Gressel. So on the other side of that equation, I think we're going to sorely miss it unless Brooks Lennon can figure out how to cross the ball. I, I've not seen good service well, in the from preseason, him. Preseason, it seems like a number of times he has chosen to cross early as opposed to trying to take it to the end line right. and get the the deeper the yeah. roll. And I'm hoping he'll figure that figure that out. Maybe it's just a chemistry thing. Although, on the other side, um, um, the Irish guy, Mulroney. Yeah. Is that his name? Yeah, the guy from Hearts. Yeah, I mean, he looks like he wants to go by that guy at the end line every single time. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, I haven't really seen um, any... I, I don't... Some of the preseason games I like was spottily watching, and I don't really recall watching him. Him or um, Castillo... Um, yeah, Castillo's old, and he's clearly the backup. He's but old and clearly the backup. What I couldn't understand, but I figured it out. I couldn't understand. I was like, Mulroney looked like a god, you know, taking on people, and he's got blistering Is he pace. in the left wing? or what? He was playing left back. Yeah, okay. that left winger back. You know? Yeah. And um, I couldn't understand why, you know, he looked so great. And then we go in, and all of a sudden, Antoine Walks is playing left back. I'm like... And I, I thought to myself at first that it had to be because, you know, DeBoer really likes the defensive side and Mulroney is just learning the defensive side. I don't think that's true. It turns out, which I hadn't realized, that he hasn't gotten his visa yet. Uh, so he can't play away in the CONCACAF Champions League. Yeah. And so he had to play someone who's going to play in the first game. 
Yeah. Right? You can't have Mulroney playing in those those scrimmages and then yeah. be a, have to start with someone else. You just can't. Yep. Right? So that's a smart route. Smart yeah, because I, I, I suspect that Mulroney, despite all of that, is still the starting left back. Okay. Yeah, and especially with Bello, unfortunately, having the concussion and uh, yeah. his, you know... You worry about players like that that get repeat injuries, whether they're ever gonna. I mean, that's just unfortunately the the nature of soccer. Um, usually, for, you don't have to worry too much when they're that young. Yeah. But you know, because usually the guys who are injury prone don't really show it until they're a little more like, you know, twenty three, twenty four. But um, maybe. All right. Let's move on to Tito, who's our other big emotional loss. Um, I know my wife is gonna miss him. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I think in, in terms of somebody no that comment. somebody that <laughs> made sense in terms of a Frank DeBoer system and and who we have uh, up front right now and, and how he fits into a total football system um, mentality that I think at least DeBoer is striving for at some point in the future with the club, if he's going to be here for a long time, that he just doesn't fit that equation. Well, you know, that's interesting. Yeah, maybe. But the thing that, what, that really... It was a head scratcher for me. Is that you know Tito Valba, Valba can play on the wing, but he also can lead the line, right? You know he's mm-hmm. clearly shown that if if, if uh, Joseph is, is yeah, down, he, he can, can play, play striker. That, that one striker. Who do we have on the field who can play that one striker? Shh. <laughs> Isn't that who we have? Is it with John? At uh, what's his Adam name? Adam John. Adam John. Yeah, they got it backwards. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I like the fact he's got some cojones and <laughs> and attitude. That's what you want from a striker. He does so have attitude. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, but uh, I was thinking that it must be that he feels like Petey can do that in a pinch. But I don't know. Yeah, I Petey don't. doesn't seem to me like he's going to lead the line. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a terrific player. Fr- frankly, I think if Joseph gets injured, I I think the strategy is to leverage. Panic. <laughs> no, I, I think you've got to use use Bar- a combination of Barco um, and and uh, PT and and maybe this uh, Brazilian guy as as some sort of combination to manufacture some goals. Was- so you're talking about Rosetto? Uh, that is correct. Yeah. Rosetto. So I don't know if you did you see the clips of him. I did. Um, if you saw a couple of the thirty yard. 25 30 yard bombs that he hit made Justin Miram's kind of side I was referring to that although I agree that was impressive but what what shocked the heck out of me his first touch I mean honestly yeah. it looked a little bit like Nogby well uh, yet again I'm this, like are you kidding me yet no, again this is what exci- this time. is what excites me about it being a newbie to the off season of a team of my own yeah I, like to me, like all this shifting and changing is exciting while everybody else is cry, crying and tearing up. I'm like, are you shitting me? We we get a Brazilian player from Gremio. Uh, bye bye, Tito. Bye bye, <laughs> Gressel. See you later. <laughs> I watched a highlight video. You know who's not doing those highlights? Gressel, Tito. And I mean, I'm, I'm, now I'm just being a jerk, but Tito, because <laughs> Tito did have some yeah. crackers, but he's also not playing in the Brazilian first division. And there's a reason for that. And so that's what I keep telling people. Even though these guys are on the bench and struggling for some starting time, the upside of a 23-year-old versus a 26-year-old Gressel, those are smart moves by Boca Negra and the upper management of Atlanta United, in my opinion. I couldn't understand. I'm like, okay, if he's supposed to be that good... Why is he coming off the bench in the second half? And then I figured it out. He also does not have his visa yet. So he is also not eligible for tonight. That's correct. Oh, by the way, dear podcast listener, we are coming live to you tonight from the opening uh, Champions League game in Honduras. Yes. So after this podcast, we're going to watch that. So we'll have to be a little bit, give our best Notre Dame uh, impersonation and make some predictions. Yeah, and I think... um is this is this wine broken? No, I'm just slow. Um, you know, I think the uh, the game we had in Mexico against um, was it Leonis? Yeah. Uh, the second division. Yeah, team. the second division team in Liga Mekis um, is a real advantage for us tonight on that in that game. I think we looked tired. We looked a little 
Well, apparently they played that team particularly because it's also at altitude, and tonight is oh, going to really? be at altitude. I, I just felt like that was a really sucks. smart, well-scheduled game in the in the preseason to yeah, get us prepared. Well, we finally for had a chance to actually do a little planning. Yeah, and they said, "All right," yeah, and that's you know. The other thing you have to say to all the, the people who are panicking about, oh, I saw the game and and we can't do whatever, and the same thing could be true to, tonight, is that, you know, you play at altitude, we may not look our best. Yeah. We might look a little sluggish, and that may not be indicative of what's going to happen once we get back down to earth. So I'll just rip through some, some players here that are um, gone. Yeah. And I'll let you d- discuss any of that are interesting to, to lean into. So, Breck Shea, he's out. Florentine uh, team Pogba gone. Justin Miram, I think he signed a new contract with another MLS team. Yeah, the Rapids, I think. Okay, yeah. And then uh, Dion Pereira evidently wanted to go back to England, so we accommodated. Uh, yeah, he never made the impression that we, you know, you might have thought of. Carlton is in uh, Indiana, Indies eleven or something like that on loan, which is good for him. Um, and Parkhurst retired. I don't. Maybe I missed somebody, but I think those are some of the the bigger outbounds um, that happened over the last two months. Um. Yeah, I mean, we the first guy that we lost though the the backup forward, um, uh, the Hispanic kid. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, Vasquez. Vasquez, yeah. Is it uh, Vasquez? Yeah. Okay. That was a that was a loss. Yeah. I think good feet, big body, nineteen years old. But didn't he go to Cincinnati? Yeah, he got picked up in the. No, it has to be one of. The, well, he got. I take it back. He got picked up in the expansion draft by one of the two new teams. It was yeah. either uh, Miami or Nashville. But then he got traded, and I think he ended up in Cincinnati. So I think that's correct. And Cincinnati evidently is in shambles. I think the manager <laughs> yeah. yesterday, like uh, you know, decided to step down. And Allen, nope, we're yeah. sorry, sorry, Allen. Um, Cincinnati, uh, not so good. So that, they st- you know, to fairness to the city, uh, they're still coming out with twenty two, twenty five thousand yeah. strong every game. Keep it up, guys. Yeah, well yeah done. MLS well needs done. it. Cincinnati fans, yes. Cincinnati team, not so much. Yeah, and <laughs> so maybe that's a good thing. There are they were home opener March seventh um, against Cincinnati right here in Atlanta. Uh, Nashville. Oh no, we're at Nashville. That's right. and that then Cincinnati home home, home opener. Yeah, right. so look at that. I'm I'm actually right on details. Right. Forget it. Um, Money. So Dion Pereira is gone. Carlton Gallagher went to uh, our new partner club in uh, Scotland. What's what's the uh, Partnering with some club in Scotland, I don't know, um, and Parkhurst retires. Um, yeah. Brooks Lennon, we signed again. We talked about him. I think you know. I definitely saw. What him. do you think of Brooks Lennon? Um, from the brief uh, play that I've seen, really, like I said, unimpressed with the crossing and service. But I'm hoping that's just getting adapted to the flow of the team. Clearly, he's a better defender. I mean, I saw him better. get stuck in a com- couple yeah. times. That yeah. was. Um, you know, in terms of a wing back that Gressel was not doing, that could be a nice tandem to Escobar back there, and you could almost see them overlapping more. I don't know. I'm just making that up in my head because Escobar is really good at charging forward too, and and Lennon might be able to kind of play more of the fullback in that in that so case. So does that mean you think that we should be playing five in the back? Um, with the two, wingers, I think you know, two, I think you're going to see more flexibility with DeBoer. Um, making the right call. I think it took him a while to figure that out last year, but I think he will adapt the formation based on the situation. Um, I, tonight, I think we're playing four in the back from what I heard. I haven't seen the lineup yet. Well, because we don't have any defenders, well, right? Yeah. So yeah. Robinson is But I out. think that's what he's learned is uh, MLS in the thinness requires some certain logical decisions on the formation. You yeah, can't, you can't play mean, this you know, idealistic Ajax football when you just don't have, like, frankly, the the depth, I guess, is okay, the best Okay, but let's just say, you know, for argument's sake, that, that, that everybody's healthy and you have the full thing. 
because the, the the worry is you play that five. People call it a three, but it's really a five. Yeah. Right. So it's three center backs. Yeah. Which is a. It seems so weird. We need three guys in the center back. That's what's so funny about formations. The more like I've nerded out on this stuff because formations have never been a thing in my head right. as far as soccer. Right. I just I've always just been a player. So I'm like, just freaking go out there and play. You know. Yeah. And there's general positions you're in, but now that. You could say five in the back, or it's three, four, three, right? That the way you're positioned and whatever the coach tells individual players can make it totally different. Oh yeah, because it depends where you are. You know, as good of players as people are, where you are when you start a play, and knowing where you got to be, you know, going to makes all the difference in the world. If everybody's in, it's in a place where your talent is can succeed then it works but if you're in a place where your talent can't succeed forget about it you know who i'm excited about dave who Meza. you know why because lgp's gone and we have a 10-year veteran that's played in the top leagues in liga Emekis and other kind of south american clubs i might be wrong i might be saying something different a couple of podcasts in yep but man, am I hopeful that that's the guy that's the glue. Well, the funny thing is, is DeBoer and some other people said that Mesa's going to remind people a lot of Parker's. And I watched it. And I'm like, oh, come on. That's what I always say. You're going to replace the legend. Mm-hmm. We got whatever. He plays exactly like Parker's. Yeah. I mean, he's like, I was like, no kidding. They weren't messing yeah. around with us, right? So yet again, I think. I'm like, the, what? How is that possible? Bocanegra and then Eels might be making some. Uh, good decisions. Um, but he's a little bit more, you know, Parkhurst at the end. I think the mobility was a little bit lacking. But yeah. Uh, although, you know, the interesting thing was towards the end, when Parkhurst would have, you know, two weeks rest, he looked brilliant. You know, yeah. if they had actually spaced him out a little bit more and had him play, you know, every other game or whatever, I think he still could have done it. Anyway, it's um, neither here nor there. He's gone. So quickly, two. So the whole left back side of the field, which is always <laughs> the curse, the curse, the of curse. The United yeah. left back. There has to be something. Did we? Did Since we Garza lose left. something to the devil, or did we? Yeah. Can you? you you're good with curses. You yeah. must be able to explain. How did that happen? I don't. How did we get cursed? I what don't did know. We do? I don't know. But at least we have three players that maybe can. No, somehow make maybe it's because we don't actually have the fire on Ooh, could be so right. yeah if you're not in atlanta it's just kind of been a monsoon lately we <laughs> would have liked to have the fire actually charging here in atlanta united's first 60 podcast. freaking degrees out so uh, we don't really need a fire and yeah that could be part of the curse you're perpetuating the curse mikey Dobbs. So in the on the left side of the field in general, right? Yes. So we who do we have over on the left from? We've got a bunch of players who are not on the field because they're all hurt. Yeah. So who who do we have? We got Bailo. Yeah. Um, we've got Castillo now. Yeah. And we got Mulrooney. And actually, none of them are going to play in left back because Mulrooney doesn't have a visa. Castillo and Bailo are both hurt, and Antoine Vox is going to play left back tonight. Um, there might be an update. I just got on a text about that. Um, Did someone get a visa at the last minute? I don't know. No, Lennon's on the bench tonight. Um, and Mo Adams starts, but where? Um, cryptic messages coming in from the text. But That's um, interesting because we haven't seen a ton of Mo Adams. In the, I mean, he's been coming off the bench in the preseason, so I figured he wasn't going to be a starter. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so the, the left back is... I, I don't know. You were talking about you saw Jake Mulroney. Is that how you pronounce Jake it? Mulroney. Mulroney. He can He comes from Hearts out of Scotland. I think it's Mulroney. Mulroney. Sorry, Jake. Out of Hearts in Scotland's. Uh, he's career. Irish. He's Irish. Yeah. Good on him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but yeah, we've got Edgar Castillo, who is kind of a, you know, veteran in the MLS. Mm-hmm. He looked like he had a carrot up his butt from the game I watched against. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't know what that looks like. Like Bur- okay, no, Birmingham. Well, he just looked old. He looked like me out in the field. I was like, he looks like he's oh, in pain. Bad, yeah, it was okay. bad. I was All like, right. oh man. Like I don't know. He never got burned. I guess, which was good, yeah. but it just didn't look great. He's a crafty veteran, yeah. Mikey Dobbs. And Anton Walks, who comes from uh, 
Was it Portsmouth? Yeah, now by uh, Portsmouth, I yeah. think. It used to be at Tottenham. Yeah, and Portsmouth fans are even giving the shit that we're getting a, a guy that in League One can't even get the could starting. Couldn't make it. He didn't could, get a lot of playing did, time. Couldn't, yeah, couldn't like, get it. Ooh. So, yikes. Yeah, yikes. You know, he's I mean, still young, but he's supposed to be getting better. But, yeah. Mm. So, George Bellow, let's. Uh, sounds like he's, he's kind you of. You worry that Antoine Walks is not going to be a DeBoer kind of player yeah i don't i don't see that i feel like that was that was a, I know. that was a pure budget we need if something happens well, which Darren is ha- which is happening clearly loves the kid from his days at tottenham right you know fair enough yeah but you know he doesn't call the shots on the field the bower does and so you got the feeling that he's not a de bower player but the thing is, the one thing is, walks felt like you felt like he was comfortable at Atlanta United, so maybe that is what he needs as a player right now. Mm-hmm, and maybe, sure. De, maybe you know, DeBoer is known to help coach young players up. If there's a last straw for him, maybe it's him to develop here. I don't know. So the last new guy, Castro, man. Yeah, let's man, talk about Castro. the exciting stuff. I mean, those are the two well, big Castro, exciting signings. Well, Castro, I have no idea. I haven't seen anything. I mean. He's, they say that he's pacey like Villalba and all this stuff, but really, is that true? I, I have no idea. I don't. He's he, <laughs> frankly, and all the people on the roster you didn't scout him, Mikey Dobbs. He is the biggest mystery for me. I know he's Uruguayan. Yeah. He played. Uh, I, yeah, don't know, don't know. But Matthias Rosetto. Apparently, he came from a you know a good club, but. Um, and he was starting at a very young age, but then more recently he kind of lost his starting position or something. Yeah. So that all happens with young players. So yeah, that's okay. It's okay, but the guy that I'm excited about that isn't one of our DPS that might play like one of our one of our designated players is Matthias Rosetto. Um, again, you his can first touch look as back. a as a guy talking over a microphone from the United States of America. All I can rely on is YouTube, and I saw enough there to be excited. I saw it, 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 you know the game he played for Atlanta United, and I mean, you know, we weren't playing that well. We were under a lot of pressure. You know, three times in a row they drilled the ball into him in the middle of the field, and boop, boop, boop. You're like whoa, yeah. <laughs> what was that? Yeah, um, yeah. okay. That's yeah. not an MLS first touch. Yep. You know, if there's anything that's wrong with the American player, MLS overall, whatever, it's first touch. And this guy, at least at first glance, does not have an MLS first touch. Can we coin a term for that? The MLS first touch? What do we want to call that? Oof. <laughs> I don't know. There's, yeah, I won't go there. So, the, you know, the rest of the squad remains, right? So we, I'll go through it. So we talked... So, you know, well, hold on. One of the guys that I saw play that seemed promising was one of our homegrowns, George Campbell. Yeah, well, he's he's not a homegrown. He just signed him. He was a first-round pick. He was their, okay. their, their pick in the draft this year. Well, he looked decent for a young player. He's a college player. Yeah. And uh, to be honest, our history with college players, we got Gressel... And we got Robinson. Yeah. I mean, yeah. As far as drop the mic, I mean, yeah. whatever, whoever's scouting the college scene for the Atlanta United. Where did George Bello come from, by the way? A, a raise, huh? What about George Bello? Where no, did he, he came through the system. He was uh, so he assigned never, Atlanta, you know, homegrown. So player. he stayed out of the college. Yeah. But, you know, usually the college players, and eh, yeah. you know, they get nowhere, or whatever. We've signed two. Yeah. Right, that had been phenomenal. We did get the one, the one guy who didn't even make the team. Yeah, <laughs> but honestly, I'll take that. We have two players who look like, I mean, those two players, Gressel and Robinson, look like, you know, two of the better players in all of MLS signed out of college. So yeah. how does that happen? So one player we haven't talked about that I'm actually really high on, and I think the jury is still out. Um, but to me, I feel like player Jeff Lorenowitz. Oh, there's Lorenowitz. Um, is is amazing because he's just what thirty six. He's a hundred. Still, just you know, you know, in the Lorenowitz walking years, walk, or in man. real person years. Uh, all right, so who we got? So right, uh, Heinemann. Heinemann, yes. 
Hyman to me um, coach's son. That's what it is. Well, that's what you like about him. No, what I like all the rebel in you, Mikey Dobbs. You like those guys who really know how to, you know, the game. They really know the game. The coach's son. That's what he is. Is he the coach's son? Yeah, I, didn't, coach's I wouldn't have. Son. I wouldn't have pegged him for that. But mm-hmm. yeah, he's got a little of that, I guess. Yeah, yeah that's fair guy. enough. And you know, he's the coach's son. Yeah, that's uh, man. You're right. He does kind of play it to the the way that it's it's flowing. Yeah. Um, but I do see some promise in this guy that. Um, you know, I know he played a little bit more of an attacking role last year, but I do feel his strengths are maybe more in the defensive center mid. And again, that can maybe... So you think he's going to sit as the defensive midfielder or front? Well, I mean, Remedy and he, I think, certainly need to play a big role in that. My concern is, so last year, we didn't ever define that. Was it Nogby? Was it Remedy? Who was? They were interchangeable and yeah. it never worked. You need to have the guy sitting there who knows his job is really just to protect that space. So who do you think it's going to be this year? I don't know because Lorenowitz will do it, but Lorenowitz is 100 years old. Yeah, he can't, so he can't, he can't play all it. the games. So no, to me, that ha- it has to be Remedy. So it has to be Remedy or Hinman. But which one of them? My problem is I felt like you know people think that DeBoer was down on Remedy. And I kind of felt like Rome that DeBoer was too high on Remedy, which is he was so impressed by Remedy that he was like, oh, you could be a box-to-box guy. And as soon as he tried to do that, Remedy looked terrible, and then he benched him, right? (laughs) (laughs) So I think if he just said, okay, Remedy, do what you do, which is you can sit, right? Then he would have been much higher on him. Maybe. I don't don't know. He overthought Um, it. But, yeah, you know, that that to me is certainly the scariest part of – our uh, our setup. Well, the question is, are we really going to survive with just two in the middle when you don't have one of those two players being Nogby? Because if you play that five in the back with the two wingers, you're committed to playing only two here's, in the middle. Here's my other thing. Nogby, I think we saw the best of Nogby ever last year. Yeah. Okay. I think that was his peak. He's on the downhill of the slope. That's fair, but you could get away with uh, only playing two in the middle because you had Nogby. And yeah. no offense to, to Emerson. Yeah, you know, I I don't know. Man. Like this to me, this is the whole crux of us being successful this I year. I agree because the problem is for all the amazing thing that we have with Barco, PD, yeah. Joseph, and right? all and, and all the, and all the strife in the back left part of the field. It's it's to if, me, it's actually improved. If you look at our back left. Oh yeah, it's definitely improved. With Shrek Shea and all that nonsense is gone. Yeah. Pogba was had his moments, but yeah. wait, I look Molinari and Castillo I'll, and George Bella. I'll take all day long. I agree. I think I, to be on the, along the back line, I think that we're improved because yeah. I also feel that so Escobar I think is really terrific, and I've always said that he can read the game better than LGP ever yeah. could. And if he's in the center, so he might it really helps. He might squeeze in and however we play the formation, if mm-hmm. Brooks Lennon is more of a natural defender, mm-hmm. he might squeeze in. And that's only going to help Escobar in that role that he's going to be a little new to as he squeezes in more of his center back. Yep. That's, usually we we'll play. see how it goes. I mean, I, that that's how things might adapt or yeah. or otherwise. I don't know. I've always been a huge fan of Escobar. I think that he can really read the game. Yeah, and I think now that LGP is gone and he's going to stop making him, you know, pray to the referee gods on just making stupid decisions, (laughs) that his bad influence on the field will go away. Good locker room guy, bad influence on the field in terms of... Because that's the problem we have. You know, you got got Meza, you got Robinson, you got Escobar... And really, you got walks as a backup, right? So you got four center backs, which is okay yeah. if you're going to play three. But if you end up playing two, which I feel like, God bless, how? Why do you? Who can't play with only two center backs? Why do we need three? I mean, yeah. you, Mikey Dobbs, of all people, should be like, "What's the two guys standing next to the center guy going to do?" <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. And I'm with you. I'm a yeah. defense. You know, I'm a. Defend, I love 
great defending, but I'm with you. I'm like, why do we need three center backs? Yeah. No, I'm with you. I mean, all they do is get in each other's way. Like that last goal that we conceded, you know, uh, in the MLS, uh, the, the conference finals, you know, there was guys back and all they knew were looking at each other because there were too many guys back. If, if there had been less players back, he doesn't get the shot off because someone would have been like, oh, I better do something. Yeah. Right. So, so I think we've talked about every player that has come and gone that is of significance. Um, what do you think you can expect from Frank DeBoer's system this year? Like, what do you think his philosophy will be in well, terms of last year? We had seesaw, which is we started out with a super aggressive attacking formation that bomb. Then he went to a super defensive formation. We went on those strings of one nothing wins. And then suddenly we couldn't get a single shot on goal. And then he was like, oh, and he put the gas back on. You know, these drivers who are all gas and all brake, and you could have just gotten there with just in Steady, yeah. That's what we were last year. And it never allowed us to settle. So that's my concern is that, you know, my concern starting out this year is, okay, you got the three ama- you know, amazing players up top, but... You know, where does the dynamic come from? Are we literally just seven players sitting behind and saying those three, you know, try to do something? Yeah. Or do we have a team philosophy for attacking? Yeah, I mean, I think um, DeBoer is still going to try to play, uh, you know, possession football. But hopefully with, again, the three designated players up front, it will be the energy-based soccer that Atlanta United fans have learned to love, which is Ezekiel Barco keeping the motor running. Um, Without that, I I fear we'll go back to those moments in the early part of 2019 where it's like, oh, it was like a Simpsons episode. You know, like, oh, Castillo to Matthias to, oh, can we we move it forward and somebody cross it to Joseph? Um, But... To be fair, I think that, uh, you know, I think his system, you know, we'll, we'll give it a go here. I think, you know, having possession is great uh, as long as it's productive at the right moments. Well, I feel very strongly that we have, if you have the team structure and the defenders such that you can push the team up the field and you can win the ball somewhere in the middle of the field... If we win the ball in the middle of the field, there is no doubt that Barco, Petey, and Joseph can break down teams and we will win. Yeah. The question we had last year is we almost never won the ball in the middle of the field. The only way we won it was either right at their 18 occasionally, but mostly we won it like all the way back at our goal. It was like the last minute tackle yeah. or it was... You know, LGP making a sliding tackle, or it was Robinson one-on-one not getting beat. And you're like, okay, but if you're organized, you can win the ball in the middle of the field. And my worry is we have now, I think, better defenders overall. The structure is a better defensive team overall. And the question is, can we move it up the field in a structured way where we can win the ball in the middle of the field? So given who we have right now, if you're Frank DeBoer, yeah. who's, who's our starting 11? Well, I like would, in an ideal state. I would not play with five in the back because I feel like we should play with um, three in the middle. The question becomes, though, I mean, I, I just feel that just philosophically, although the team that we have is more suited to playing three in the back, right? The question is, so let's say you only played four in the back and you have now an extra midfielder. So you're thinking, okay, you probably have, if he turns out to be um, for real, you got Rosetto, right? You have Hinman, who's clearly going to start, right? And then, you know, who is the third one? You got either Remini or Lorenowitz or Mo Adams, right? Mo Adams starting? And he's in your 11? No, I wouldn't have him, but I'm just saying who are the players who can even play in that center midfield, right, yeah. is, is the question, right? So if you go to a back four and you have a third midfielder, it's only useful if, you, if the midfielder is good. And the question is, 
if you play three in the midfield, you have to have one who's willing to sit and anchor. I felt that Remedy was that guy for Tata. That's what yeah. changed us in the second year when we won the title. As soon as Remedy said You know who will do it? Who will do it? The coach's son. Yeah, he could be. If he's willing to do it, he I is think willing he would to do be it. smart enough to I do it. I think that that was why they brought him in last year. But if he's willing to do it, then you can have Rosetta in front of him. But the question yeah. is... Do you, is Remedy good enough to be an attacking midfielder? No. So Heinemann is though. Yeah, but he can't play both. I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just bringing it up. So the question being, so that's my problem. And so, so if you so, who is this? Back, who is this Manuel Castro dude? Well, he's clearly the winger. He's, he's the so he plays out on the outside. Okay. Yeah, he's Again, right he's midfielder. my mystery guy. I he's really... the starting right midfielder. Okay. Right. So you figure Barco is the starting left midfielder. Um, and he's a starting right midfielder. Joseph's the attacker. Pity's sitting right in behind him. Yeah. And then, you know, presumably you have... Which actually, you know, if Pity is going to have really the freedom to roam all in that space, then, you, you know, it doesn't make sense to have three players behind him. And that maybe that makes sense to play with five. But the problem is, if you play with five in the back, then... There's no dynamic. You have those three guys sitting there. So the question becomes, where is the dynamic to give Petey the space? So if the wingers turn out to be really aggressive and can really get up and down, then it works. But last year, whenever we played with the five, the wingers were, um, you know, they weren't dynamic. They were, they would run up the field, but then they would be stationary. Yeah, what was your point? Was the, you know... You you played up to Brexia, You even played up to Gressel at points, and they were cutting it back instead yes, of going and forward. That's a big problem. They got to get the ball running into space. So yeah. if Brooks Lennon and Mulroney are for real, can time it and really get out of the back, then yeah, heck, you know we don't need the other guys. All right. So so then you kind of play with two defensive midfielders with Remedy and Hinman both sitting sort of in the middle. And you just let the wingers bomb and open up the space for Petey. So I've got the new collective bargaining agreement on our agenda, but we're going to skip that but for another episode when it's desperate. When it's desperate, no. no. You just gave me a pass. I I did because you're just I'm you're just, just going on and on. you're just going on and on. <laughs> okay, so let's move. You'll have to wait, dear podcast. Let's move on to tonight since okay. we, we're pushing an hour here. Okay. Um, let's move on to this, the first leg of the Concacaf Championship. Uh, league against a Honduran team. Uh, we are down there this evening. Game time starts thirty minutes from now. Um, what uh, What do you think? What do you think we're going to win this? Do you think we're going to draw? What uh, we We certainly don't have our starting cast that we were just talking about available because of yeah. visa injuries, etc. We're all the pace that we talked about: Mulroney, Rosetto, Castro. All out because they don't have visas. None of that pace is there. Miles Bellow out due to injury. Yeah, defenders out. I'm gonna say it's gonna be one of the most dull affairs in the history of Concacaf Champions League, and I'm gonna go with zero zero. I think you are spot on. <laughs> what we agree? Like that's kind of what I have in my head. Now the great thing about altitude. A great thing about this is is it's probably not going to be that because whatever you think it's going to be is usually not the case. Well, altitude is interesting because at altitude, people get sluggish, yeah. right? And so it tends to be these dull zero zero. Yeah. But if it breaks open and people start to try to get it back, because people are so tired, then it just becomes this free-for-all and it could be 4-4. Four, four. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've again, like I think it's going to be... One of the two dynamics is going to be zero zero or four nothing one way or the other, and unfortunately, the odds of it being four zero the same way we saw in Costa Rica last year, the odds are in the Hondurans' favor. You heard it here. There's a hundred percent guaranteed prediction: zero zero, four four, or anything in between. <laughs> it's easy. I should be a bookie. Um. So all right. Uh, when is when is the return game here at the uh, the Kennesaw Stadium? Uh, it's basically a week. Are you going to that? 
Uh, I don't know. Do we have tickets? I don't think so. We don't have tickets. I think we should negotiate yeah. with the ticket so they have a, for that. Apparently, they have a game. They have a league match in between on the weekend. Yeah. We don't. So we have nothing in between. It's just Advantage us. Yeah. So I mean, they got to come. Depending on how the night goes. They have to play and then fly all the way here. To play in Mercedes-Benz. Oh, wait. No, Kennesaw. Yeah. So one cool thing I saw in the, the collective bargaining agreement is that the uh, the charter flights, which evidently was a minimum or something like that of four. A maximum. Per, is, is, is a maximum of four per year in 2019. That is a maximum of eight in 2020. And Upgrade. And it moves up to a maximum of like 16 by 2026 or something class. like that. Yeah, so that seems like it's progress for the league yeah. because the Orlando Magic team that should not be sitting next to me at the uh, Orlando airport as much as I like to make fun of them, they need some class here. Uh, I have to say something. It says something about the history of the league that they thought we have to keep costs down by not allowing oh, teams to yeah. I should not be able to sit by Nani at the Orlando airport and heckle him. I could have. Didn't do it. Chose to as an adult. It's very restrained to yeah. Mikey Dobbs. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it's not so, like you at all. To wrap this up, um, what are your predictions for the season? How are you feeling about Atlanta United going into 2020? There's a lot to digest. I mean, honestly, there's so much change um there's the skepticism of DeBoer to me I, I'm still optimistic on what it could be I'm you know I just it's how I am I'd rather not look on the negative side of things I mean this guy won four cups for Ajax um he's it's not like he doesn't understand soccer he's with an MLS team let's win he wasn't a totally unsuccessful season last year given the only thing he could do was fail given we had just won the MLS cup so he was set up for failure, if Fair. you think about it. So well, what do you, you can what say? You, you inherit the champions, and it's a young, yeah, still better team. You can't get any better than that. Not when you get rid of your best player, who's Miguel Amaron. No, not so no. Fine. Miggy's amazing. So I, I, my prediction is more of the same. Yeah. So I, I'm going to say similar to last year. Very similar to last year. Okay. So I think we get we're slow out of the gates because of all the turnover that. DeBoer tinkers and settles and whatever. We we just and by somewhere in the midseason, we can look like it. There will be moments where we look like maybe we could be the best team in MLS by far, yeah. but we're a little bit far down in the standings and we get to the playoffs. I predict that we're in the playoffs, but we're a question mark. You know who will take that? Every other MLS team in the league. <laughs> yes. Um, but no, I'm not I mean, saying I won't take it either. But yeah, no, I, you know, I I think um, I don't know. I I'm I think it'll hinge on our three designated players being healthy, sure, and how this Brazilian guy Rosetto um, comes into form. How good he is, yeah. Yeah, I I think it's going to be that, and then health health of players because I I am worried about our depth. But outside of Joseph, right? Who's you know, you worry if he goes down, who is the finisher? But outside of that, there's really, you know, the three designated players are the most important for health. But, you know, even if you look at PD and Barco, there are other players who are probably can do that sort of thing. I mean, this new guy, um, uh, Castro, is supposed to be, you know, fast and blah-blah-like. I mean, certainly Mulraney came as an attacking winger, right? Even if he's playing left back, there are guys who maybe could replace a Barco or a PD. The only player, and we have a lot of depth on the back line. We even have depth, you know, uh, Alec Khan has shown that he can deputize if we need to for yeah. Guzan. The only player that we absolutely have nothing for is Joseph. I actually think that the team overall, for especially for an MLS yeah. team, is pretty deep. The guys, if you look yeah. at who's going to be on our bench, you know, it might be a Walks, it might be a Mo Adams, it might be, I mean, these are good players who are going to be on our bench. I don't have a problem with our depth in general, with the exception of, you know, and so we're counting on this guy, Adam John. Yeah. Who yeah. apparently bangs in goals by the dozens in the USL. Well... 
Vasquez. You no, know, he reminds Vasquez me of, had his moments, but well, you, know, you know his pedigree reminds me of John. He reminds me of um, Jamie Vardy. Yeah, banged into goals over and over and over in Division One. People said, "Oh, you know, he couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Whatever." Finally, Lester had. You know, we're like, okay, we'll give him a chance. They finally brought him out to Premier League, and he just scores yeah. tons of goals. So, well, you know, you that's know. that is, you know, as as someone who has played in like teams that go down in the rankings of of shitty soccer leagues. And then you, all of a sudden you have an opportunity, like whatever random reason you play with like one of the top teams, you come in as a, like, wait a second, why am I playing well? <laughs> why am I playing so well? It's because all the other players around me are so much better. Yeah. You know, and I think there is something to that um, e- equation, something that really works for players that, you know, elevates their game even to a level that they, they wouldn't have expected. So. Certainly our designated players, our back with Robinson, you know, our goalkeeper, like we have some yeah. ex- excellent talent. That's for sure. All right. So overall, I think we're feeling pretty optimistic going into 2020. The sky isn't falling. That's for sure. It's not falling. I'm feeling the same. All right. Good. Because you're <laughs> going to be sitting next to me during a lot of games. I need some, some positivity. <laughs> okay. Well, this was, uh, I think pretty good kickoff to 2020's ATL on fire season Absolutely. two podcast. Um, Thanks, everybody, for listening. Looking Appreciate forward it. to another good year, dear podcast listener. We are going to decompress and get ready for this Honduran first leg of CONCACAF wow. Champions League. All right. Thanks for listening. If anybody actually made it this far in the podcast, would love to hear your feedback on Twitter, at ATL on Fire. And tell your friends to subscribe. We are on iTunes, Google Play, and really any sort of podcast platform that you're on so do listen again have a good one